Greetings, fine gentlemen. Wednesday is upon us. Praise God. I hope you are all marvelously well. I was chatting with my wife just about, you know, obviously media is our domain that we are pursuing. Our mission, you know, in life is to glorify God, give a positive vision uh, with media in the media domain. Drongo, good evening, fine sir. Welcome. And I think our heart, you know, all the all the talking, all the, uh, you know, visual, visual stuff, you know, um, we wanted to lead to concrete things, to actual, uh, real life difference change. John Null, welcome brother. Shelby Maddox, good afternoon or evening, depending on where you are on this earth. Very good to have you gentlemen on. So, we, you know, we, we got talking a lot about discipleship, you know, because that is with with media and uh, and ministry, those two domains, the fruit, the practical result is discipleship, is people who have a, uh, you know, were once couldn't do something can now do something, who were once struggling with this are now, are now no longer struggling with this who were once living under this vision or software are now living under this vision and software. And there's fruit, there's testimony, there's maturity, uh, there's momentum. Um, and so we were just talking about that, you know, like we don't want to ever be uh, unfruitful. We don't ever want to be, uh, for want um, of a better word, uh, just peddlers of outrage, peddlers of, you know, because you look at a lot of talking heads, you know, guys I used to follow who, you know, back in my conservative days, you follow all these conservative guys. There is no discipleship. There's no way through. There's no way out. You're just here to, to, uh, to be entertained, to sit and, you know, either rage or fold uh, or, you know, sit in your self-righteousness of like, well, we would never do that. Or, you know, <laughs> look how hypocritical they are. Um, and I suppose the result for them, the fruit for them, uh, you know, is a business. You know, they they were, they are, a lot of people do media as a way, you know, grifting, seeing which way the wind is blowing and then making money off the wind, you know? So it's like, oh, you know, so this is the thing that all of our people are, uh, this is what's trending right now. So we'll make money off of that. Brian, good afternoon. Fine, sir. So, you know, we really had a, a good chat. We're like, who are doing media well? Who are the people who are doing media well, who are doing ministry well, who are actually leading people to life change, to fruit in their lives, you know, to a different software in their lives? Um, and so, you know, the first thing that always comes up for me is D Diddly Dave. Old, old Dave, Dave, you know, what a, what a name, Dave, my man. So Dave Ramsey, I'm sure, you know, majority of, of you will be familiar with, with him. Um, you know, he's really made a name out of, uh, getting people out of debt. You know, he has used media correctly to disciple people, to move people, many of them, perhaps millions of them into specific, practical life change, specific practical actions, tick the box actions. You know, he has seven baby steps to getting out of debt, out of financial debt. Um, you know, my wife and I were, were greatly blessed by him. Um, and of course, I don't agree with everything on his list, but for, you know, for what he does, it's like, yeah, it, it works. You know, it works. And so Thinking about this template, you know, when you see someone who's got a very good template, you model them. You take the good from what they have. And the man has an amazing template of moving men into a new software with, with results, with discipleship. We are in cultural debt. We are in cultural bondage. We are in cultural dependence upon institutions that are not our own. 
You know, if you define financial debt as owing other people money who are not you, you know, owing other lending institutions money that are not you, that is debt. You owe other people money and they can call on you. They can call on your stuff, you know, and they don't care about you. They just want their money. It is the same way culturally. We are, we are culturally indebted. Russell McLaren, welcome, fine sir. My goodness. We are culturally indebted to institutions that are not our own. You know, so we spoke yesterday about the institutions of power and then the institutions of culture. We are indebted culturally to the media. We don't consume our own. I mean, we're starting now, praise God for, for social media and YouTube and all this stuff. But even there, the platforms are not our own. I am indebted. I am indebted to YouTube and I am indebted to Twitter. We rely, we depend upon enemy, you know, friend, enemy, right? That is the basics of our politics, friend, enemy. We rely, we depend, we are indebted to enemy institutions. We are the out group. We are not the in group. Schools, right? We send our kids to schools that are run by the enemy, not friends. They are not our institutions. We cannot control what is taught there. We cannot control what is done to our children there. Universities, likewise. And add, add to the universities the whole thing of actual physical debt, physical bondage. Very fascinating. And then church. A lot of times we are going to enemy churches. And, and it's what I said in the last two streams. The church popular serves power. They serve power. They don't serve Christ and they don't serve their country, their people and their place. So, so many of us go to churches that are enemy run. You know, and, oh, but, you know, they're really nice guys. They're really nice people. It's like, yeah, that's fine. They can be nice guys and nice people. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, I'm only taking orders. You know, a lot of people who only take orders are very nice, but they take orders from power and to protect power and to serve power. You are sitting your family in an enemy institution, an enemy frame that is not going to protect you. They're going to, they're going to throw you under the bus. You're, you're constantly uh, exhausting yourself to keep your own frame with your, your family when, you know, you, you just want to, you want to make sure that you are, you are not relying and depending upon enemy institutions. Because the other thing that happens is you make friends in those institutions and you have to be very clear that you do not agree with the leadership of the institution. You know, so then it's this whole thing of Saul and David, and it's like, man, like, there's just a lot of dynamics that go on. It's an unsafe institution. Uh, the next one is is media consumption, right? So news, TV, uh, entertainment, sports, all of these, uh, you know, leisure and uh, relaxation activities. How many of these things are we the outgroup of? We are using their platforms. We are consuming their content. We are we are. Uh, engaging their advertising revenues and clicks. Uh, we are we are entering and talking about their frames, their news cycles, you know, that kind of thing. Nick, the four, four o'clock stream, this is in my group. Praise God. Welcome, brother. So, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to really get practical today, get excited, you know, because we have practical ways out. You know, just like dudes who are in financial debt, like I'm sure majority of dudes in their younger years, especially, we've all been there. You know, you're in credit card debt, you're in student debt, you're in car debt, you're in uh, property debt, you're in, you know, just name name all of the financial kind of things of, of the startup of life that you're just piling on and you're like, oh man, we are dependent upon so many things. We are so indebted. And so we kind of black pill. We kind of like, oh man, there's no way out of this. And then you start just, you just start racking up the credit card even more because you're like, well, if I'm going to go down, baby, I'm going down in style. Let me tell you. And you start just racking it up even more, right? Because you don't see a way out. It's the same way in our culture, in our institutions. So many people are so culturally indebted. We are so institutionally indebted that you tell people like, hey man, you've got to, you've got to get out. 
You've got to get out of the system. You've got to get out of the culture. We are called to be a peculiar people from the culture. And they're like, man, we're so far in. We're just, I'm just, <laughs> just blowing the card, baby. You know, and so many people are like that. They're like, what's the point? There is no getting out. There is no getting out. We have no way forward. And I think that's what's so exciting about guys like old, old Dave is they offer people a practical plan, a way out. And so I really wanted to, to hit on that for us going forward of like cultural sovereignty, cultural freedom from debt, cultural debt, cultural dependence upon enemy uh, institutions and, and uh, systems. We have a way out. We have a practical way out. It starts from being a patriarch, your own family, your own life to the local level, to the tribal level. And praise God, one day perhaps our tribe becomes a nation, but that is such a far way off. So right now we focus on the cultural things. We focus on patriarchy, on localism, and on tribalism. So I wanted to, to walk us through a whole bunch of boxes. Like these are, these are steps. These are baby steps. These are boxes that we can tick in our own life. And I really want to kind of like, because a lot of you guys are ticking, many of us, the fact that we're here means we are ticking boxes already in our own lives, you know? And some of us have ticked all the same boxes. Some of us have ticked boxes that we look at someone else and be like, I need to tick that box. That's a great box. How did, how did you, hey, how did you get that box? And, and we need to explain this to each other, right? There's two parts to ticking boxes. Number one is the why. Why? Because until you understand the why, like you, a lot of people can just imitate and be like, I like that guy. Well, that's a why, right? You're imitating, I like that guy. So, so I like the people whose fruit is this. I don't know why, I just like them. That, that could be a why. But when you understand why you should be debt-free, why uh, you, you, should be, you shouldn't be overweight, why you should want as many children as possible, why, you know, all, so all these things we're going to go understand. When you understand the why, you start eliminating the why not. Because we, we all have, a, the fact that we haven't done it means we have a why not. Well, well Scott, why haven't you? And it's like, well, you know, and you can explain your why nots, but we need the whys to combat the why nots. And this is where testimony is so helpful. You know, if people are like, well, you know, I was, you know, 30 grand in debt. And then, you know, we just decided we were sick and tired of living paycheck to paycheck. You know, that's the average story that comes up on Dave's podcast. And you're like, yeah, man, I identify with that. And it's like, yeah, man. So we did the plan and then baby, blah, blah, blah. and then like a year later, we're free from debt. And you're like, yeah, okay. I like that. Like I want to do it. So a lot of this relies on our own testimony. As guys, it's important to tell our stories. It's important to share why we are into patriarchy, why we're into dominion, why we are into getting off of the cultural grid, off of the cultural systems, why we are into building our own cultural institutions or subverting cultural institutions. You know, we need to share the why. And then the second is the how. And this is the, the real thing that a lot of us struggle with is we don't know how. We've had no one to show us the way. You know, that is the, this is the, uh, the function of parents is to show us how. And many of us, our parents were normies. And, and again, we don't hate normies. God bless them. But normies can't show their children how to become kings or how to defeat clowns. And so that is what we're, we're, we're learning from each other now. You know, we're learning from each other now how, uh, how to do the things. So when, when you say to someone, RJJ, welcome, brother. When you say to someone, get out of debt. They're like, okay, man, get out of debt. Yeah. I understand why I'm pumped for this. Okay. Yeah. You can't just say to, it's like, it's so many preachers will preach sermons like this. of like, you've got to get out of debt or, you know, name your thing that is good. They're like, you've got to do this. And you're like, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. How? I, I don't know how I've never seen it. I've never seen anyone do this. You know, it's like, you've got to go change. You've got to go change the oil. And it's like, yeah, I've got to change my oil. Yep, yep. Got I know why. If I don't change my oil, my car breaks down. Like, yep, understand, understand. Okay, now go change your oil. Christian man, you've just got to change your oil. You've got to be good about changing your oil. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll change my oil. I'll change my oil. And so we go to we go to the, the parts store. We're like, okay, man, uh, I'd like to change my oil. And then he's like, all right, what's your, what's your car number? What's your car model and make? You're like, oh, uh, this. And it's like, okay, you need a specific type of oil. You need a specific size of filter. You know, then it's like, okay, how much do you, and all the stuff It's like, but if you have a dad who's just like, we're going to go change the oil. This is what you do because he, he was taught how to change oil. And now he teaches you how to change oil. It's like, yeah, change my oil. 
this is the same thing for all of these kind of discipleship things. You need a man to model. You need a man to coach. You need a man to copy who has done the thing. And I think that's what I'm so excited about is there's so many men who have done the things. You know, so a lot of things you're looking at a priori of like, yes, logically, this makes sense. The why is completely understandable. I just haven't seen anyone do this and I don't know how. So I just want to go through through a few things for us here. And and you guys can can throw some stuff in because I think this is something we really need to work hard on is kind of making a path forward for men like us. What is a practical path forward? Because we we're not waiting around. We're not waiting around for some savior to come and save us. We're not waiting around, you know, for the Donald 2.0. We're not waiting around. It's like, no, if it's going to be, it's up to us. Like we're going to go hard at our scale, at our scale. As patriarchs, local economy, tribal institutions, we're going to go hard. And that this is what makes you feel ascendant. This is what makes you feel absolutely alive. It's like, I'm doing something. I have power over my stewardship, the things I have stewardship over. Alrighty, here we go. So I'm just going to throw a bunch of things in. Getting out of consumer debt. So obviously the whole Dave Ramsey thing is great. Getting out of consumer debt. You know, the why, obviously the Bible talks a lot about he who is, uh, the borrower is servant to the lender. I.e., you know, if someone owns your car, you kind of have to toe the line of what they say. If someone owns your house, you have to toe the line of what they say. You are servant to them you know, and, and you're servant to their values. You are servant to their orders. Otherwise, your loan gets called, you know, or whatever. We want to be consumer debt-free. You know, for, for a while, I was like totally against all debt, like all debt is evil, you know, and, and I still I still believe in the whole Deuteronomy 28 thing of getting to this place of, of we will be lenders and not borrowers. You know, the Lord will uh, bless us and give us land. But at the same time, I also see in the system that we are in, wisdom, shrewdness, is to, to acquire assets. You know, fiat currency, fiat is absolutely destroying our cash. So if, if we're waiting and piling up cash to go and buy land, of course, it's, it's wisdom, it's shrewdness to take out a loan to buy land, to take out a loan to buy equipment, machinery, assets that make you value, that build you value, that make you money, that make you income. So we need to be very clear on that distinction. We want to we want to be petrified, terrified, absolutely run away from all consumer debt. So debt on liabilities, i.e. things that are not making you value, things that are losing value. You know, things like credit card purchases, TVs, electronics, uh, cars, you know, all these kind of things that we love to spend money on that don't add value um, over time. You know, that don't, oh, you can give this to your child and it'll be more valuable in their lifetime. Things like that are land, houses, tools, like actual tools that can do stuff. Um, equipment that is important to doing stuff that is valuable. Physical things that that hold their value. You know, these are these are things that, yeah, it's acceptable to, you know, it's not a sin to take out a, a loan. It's, you know, all things are, are acceptable. It's just make sure that it's you're benefiting in the long run by making sure you're taking out loans on assets that are growing in value. Um, another thing here, getting your kids out of public school. Why? You're literally, you know, number one, chaps, I, I think it's because we all went to public school, majority of us, that we think, oh, I did it and it was okay. It's like, no, it wasn't. Go back to your school days. Of course it was not okay. You, you know, it was a prison system. It was basically a babysitting prison system where you had women who hate God and, uh, you know, hate you because you're not their children. You're, you're taking them away from their children. They're basically prison wardens trying to keep all you, you know, and then all your, I think, thank God I wasn't drugged. I mean, I was on soy, but, um, and sugar, but I had a bunch of, of classmates who were on actual sedation drugs. You know, and then all the girls are on uh, contraceptives. You know, it's ridiculous. Anyway, get your kids out of public school. A lot of people, uh, they're like, oh, public school is fine. I was fine. It's like, you know, you need to understand the horrors of this prison system, of this absolute child sacrifice system. Um, there's a great guy by the name of 
it'll come to me. He he had a great um, series. It was either a book or narrated onto a podcast or something. But the guy wrote, he was in the New York school system for like 30 years. And then he retired and kind of went on a thing about how the education system is actually destroying children and civilization. Um, but anyway, uh, get your kids out of public school. Either bring them home to homeschool them uh, or take them to a church school. Or, you know, you need to be, you need to be understanding of your, your children are the whole point of this. You know, our children are the whole point of this. Like, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's such a huge thing of like, you understand how important children are. Like when you don't have your own children, you're like, you understand like everything you build is for the most part for your children. And so you want your children to be replicas of you. You want them to be more extremely you. You want the window to shift more extreme to what you believe in your children's generation and then in your grandchildren's generation. And they're going to have more of what you have in their generation and your grandchildren's generation. You know, that is kind of, we have to have this long game view of what are the, what is the, the purpose of life? What are the purpose of, of family and children? And, you know, this whole thing of so many people are petrified of like, well, what if my child ends up stupid? And it's like, you don't understand. Like you have to understand public school is literally destroying your children to unschool them is 1000 times better than ever sending a child for, you know, eight years or 12 years, whatever it is, uh, through the meat grinder of, of absolute degeneracy. Number two, your wife out of wage work. So, you know, I was trying to figure this out of like getting your wife out of wage work because, you know, women work hard and you want them to work hard for you. You want them to be your helpmeet. You want them to be helping your mission, right? So if they are in wage work, they are selling their time and their presence to another man or another institution who doesn't love them. And she is going to serve them, you know, with energy and obedience and then come home and be exhausted and resentful. Now, wage work controls, because eventually as men, we want to get out of wage work. You know, it's not just, oh, just get the woman out of wage work. No, we all want to be out of wage work because wage work controls your time. It binds your time and your presence down. You are now dependent on another man's uh, calendar and mission and and institution. So you want to get your wife out of wage work. Of course she can work. Of course she can have uh, things that she likes to do, products and services and whatnot. But they must be they must be controlled by you. You are the one who controls the calendar, who controls uh, energy and time and production. Um, and then you know, along with that is our own selling our own products and services. You know, so getting ourselves out of wage work. It's okay to have a job. It's not a sin. It's okay to work for someone else. It's not a sin. I'm just saying you are dependent. You are depending on another man's institution. And, you know, praise God if he's a friend. If you're if you're depending on a friend's business, on a friend's institution, that's wonderful. But you want to start getting yourself your own products and services around what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, who you enjoy uh, serving. And you want to start getting uh, that kind of dependence of economy um, closer to home. Tutamango, welcome, brother. All right, here's, a, here's another one. 2080 local food sourcing. You know, this whole thing of the 2080, um, you know, 20%, uh, the, the 2080 Pareto principle of like 20% of the causes create 80% of the outcomes or like 20% of the salesmen earn 80% of the commissions or like, uh, you know, so that's the kind of thing you, you're, you're looking at. But it's also a good thing of like, 20% of the time I do this, but 80% of the time I do this. So when I'm talking about local food sourcing, you know, Kroger is not local. Kroger is the biggest food monopoly on earth. And you are dependent upon them for living. You know, that whole thing of like people can live without food for one week or whatever it is. You know, you look at, at any great major starvation thing, period situation in in history you're looking at failures of food sourcing so what we want to do is have 2080 food sourcing as close to home as possible so of course you can still go to kroger of course you can still go to walmart of course you can still you know do all the the big conglomerate stuff that you can't get 
in your local area. But 80% of the time, we either, you want to get as close as home as possible. You, you know, if we can do 100% of all of our own food at home, like, oh, praise God, that's amazing. That's wonderful. You know, it's like, well, my climate, I can't do coffee. So it's like, okay, I go to go and get coffee from Nicaragua or somewhere. Like, it's understandable. I'm saying for 80%, we've got to aim for this. Of like 80% of my, my food, I either grow it myself or my friends grow it, my local area grows it, or my tribal institutions provide it. You know, because there are going to be things like that. There's going to be things like coffee that you cannot grow in your zone. It is impossible to get locally. So you want to get it from your tribe. Who are my tribe who source me the other things I can't get? You know, so for instance, for myself, like we um, we use Azure, which is this super-based um, bulk food, organic bulk food company, family business, Christian dudes, really, really based. I think they're out of Washington, so it's not local. But it's like these dudes are, these guys are adjacent, tribally, so I will use them you know, until we can figure out something closer. We have to figure that out of like, I'm not going to give 100% of my dependence to people who I cannot trust, who I cannot depend upon. You know, because eventually it's going to be like, oh, you didn't get the whatever? Like, well, you can't come into Kroger anymore. Oh, you didn't get the whatever? Well, now your bank account doesn't work anymore. So that's another thing now, banking, right? You want to bring your money into your local credit union um, I'm sure a bunch of you boys on here are, are uh, uh, cryptocurrency guys. You know, you you can explain more on that as well. But it's like we want to get our money out of the hands of people who can gatekeep you, who can shut you and deplatform you. And so that thing with with local food sourcing, you know, we want to get to this place of. You know, if you can't grow it yourself, and, and we can, we can grow a lot of things ourselves. We can grow a, a ton of things and, and we can get good at it. And it's like a lot of guys are like, man, I don't, I don't have the skill to farm. I don't have the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, start, you know, we've got chaps, you've got your whole lives ahead of you. If you're 40, you've got 40 years, God willing, of productive life ahead of you. That's 40 seasons to, to start getting things right. And, and, you know, chaps, we need to get to this place of being willing to learn new things and and be a bit more uncomfortable like it's easy to go to kroger and just buy everything i you know don't have to take care of this garden but it's like no no no. like when you understand it this way like the garden becomes your leisure the garden becomes your entertainment you know it's the same with all of these things they're more uncomfortable they're more uh inconvenient and we have to start seeing it as the means is the end you know the the work is the pay you know Homeschooling your kids, of course, that's far more work than just outsourcing them to a prison center. But that is going to be the most meaningful years of, of your and their lives together, your most wonderful memories together and meaning. All right, another thing here is neighborly touch points. You know, so I'm a very, I, I, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Solitary. I'm a very solitary guy. But like, go meet the neighbors. When you drive past them, greet them, you know, uh, and it's like, okay, I need to make touch points with these neighbors. You know, like we've swapped numbers and, and it's like, okay, you know, if a neighbor asks for help, you help. You know, of like, we need to get this thing of understanding that our neighbors around us are a very important part of our life, especially going into the future of not knowing, you know, what's going to happen of like, okay, neighborly touch points. This is a box you can tick and we can actually work out like what are, what are skillful ways? What are some testimonies from you guys? What are skillful ways uh, to have really good touch points with your neighbors? Um, another another really good one here is is 2080 of health, right? So, you know, 20% of the time, yeah, I, I drink beer, I eat pizza. Um, you know, there's there's things in our life that are like, oh yeah, let's have fun. But 80% of the time, you know, we sleep eight hours a night, we drink a lot of filtered water, uh, we eat really clean, organic, um, we eat a lot of, you know, whatever your your conscience and and wisdom is on health 80 percent of the time what are the things that are going to make me healthier and why because if i die early i'm depriving you guys if i die early i'm depriving my wife when we have kids god willing i deprive my kids we want to be healthy for god and country you know for christ and country i will be the healthiest man i can be and again chaps it's not you don't have to have six-pack rippling abs you know three hours a day in the gym or whatever but you know when you're not feeling great when you're not performing when you're not running your hardware with good stewardship. So what are the 80% of things you can you can do?
Um, for all the single guys, marry a feminine woman. You know, I, I had this down as marry a virtuous woman. And that was a very hard thing to quantify. Whereas marry a feminine woman. You know, a lot of guys are like, oh, there's no good woman around. There's no virtuous woman around. And it's like for a lot of guys, you know, you're going to marry a woman and you are going to set a frame for her to follow, you know? And so the most important quality is femininity. The most important quality is the ability to fill your frame, you know, because a lot of guys, myself included, you're, you're a little liberal boy, you're a little soy boy. And you're like, oh, I, I want a perfect Christian wife. I want a perfect, you know, of like, and those girls do exist because there's perfect Christian dads, right? And I use the word here, perfect, but I'm, you know, there are giga chad Christian dads who are grooming their young daughters to be amazing wives and to be virtuous wives and, and love the Lord and, and love their husband and uh, submit to their husband, respect their husband, be their husband's helpmeet. And so all of us little liberal boys, you know, individual, nihilistic, non-patriarchal boys, we're like, great, because I marry her and now I don't have to, I don't have to hold frame because it's hard holding frame, right? It's inconvenient to hold frame. It's uncomfortable to constantly hold frame. So we're like, if I get a girl who is, who is, who has been framed by her father, then I don't have to do it. And it's like, nope, sorry, Jeb, you have to shower and you have to hold frame for the rest of your life. There's, you have to hold frame. And there are so many guys, you know, I, I have great chats with, with a bunch of you guys of like, yeah, you know, when, when I married my wife, I was a liberal boy and she was a cultural feminist. And then we understood this thing of frame and the dynamic changed. And we have an amazing marriage. So I think, I think, you know, the kind of, and again, there's just lots of different testimonies and, and kind of specific specifications that we can, we can dig down to there, but marry a feminine woman and have as many children as possible, as many children as the Lord will bless you with. The future belongs to those who show up. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You want to be righteous? Have a lot of children. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a prerequisite for righteous, obviously, righteousness, obviously. I'm just saying there's there's precedent there of like you can you can have a legacy for generations ahead. You can create your own clan. You can create your own absolute aristocracy of just machine, you know, uh, uh, children are arrows in the hand of the warrior. They are destructive tools in the culture of war and constructive. All righty, so here's a big one for us. Let me just read some, read some comments here. Tudumanga, my closest bud has just sold his tech company that offers solutions for people to sell their products via various channels online. We have discussed adapting this model for local supply chains. He currently mainly caters to enterprise clients, example, Ford, etc. We can use all the existing tech and great people to support and empower our local sellers. He has many smaller clients, but they are still pretty big companies. Want to figure out the best way to bring it home for the mom and pops. Stop serving all the big players. Exactly, man. And that's what's so 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 just white pilling, man, is we have we have the we have the guys, we have the wisdom, we have the technology. It's just a matter of getting people to be like, yeah, I want to serve mom and pops. I want to use mom and pops. I want to use our guys. I want to use tribal economy. Yeah, praise God for it, man. That's awesome. <clears throat> RJJ, inshallah. Andrew Quinn, welcome, brother. And inshallah, the Lord wills it. All right, so the next one here is really big for us. Hold and frame or hold the frame of a $10 million 10-year vision. You know, for so many of us, we are dependent upon the vision of the institution, the, the biggest institution in our, in our life. We have no grand vision of the Lord giving me a life's mission, a life's goal, you know? And so that kind of tool that, that, that I really enjoy using, I got it from uh, that great book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. It's worth it. It's a really worth a read because he's digging through all of the cultural clutter to what is the actual point of wealth? Why do people want to be a millionaire? It's for the last, it's not to have a million bucks in the bank. It's for the lifestyle they think they'll lead if they were a millionaire. And so we need to get to that place of, of question. If I had 10 million bucks, what would I do over the next 10 years? That would, that would make me feel purposeful, you know, and, and we'll always get to that place, right? Of like, cause right now we're working for survival, right? Or we're working for, you know, 
to become a millionaire. We don't need money. We need a vision. Money is important. Money is like air and food. It's important. But we need a vision. Air and food serve me as the hardware to be able to then go and do my vision. Same thing with money. Money serves me to be able to go and do my vision. And then Bob Proctor, this old boy, old Canadian, eh, has a great, a great quote. He says, I never let money be the reason why I do or do not do something. That is king energy. It's like, no, what is my mission? What is my vision? Where am I going? I'm going to go there regardless of whether I have money or not. I'm going to start stepping out and the Lord will direct my steps. The Lord will provide. So we need to have that mindset, chaps, of we need to start thinking from the place of 10 million bucks, 10 years. Because that's the next thing is 10 years, right? So many of us, whether if I don't have it now, uh, you know, then I'm a failure. Or if I don't have it now, then I give up and I, I flake. Uh, so I, I think it's old Tony, Big Jaw Robbins. Just absolute Chad Jaw. He says we underestimate, we overestimate what we can do in one year, but we underestimate what we can do over a decade. And I think if we all look back in our own lives, that is the case. You know, we had all these great uh, New Year's resolutions every year, but then you look back, you know, five, 10 years and you're like, a lot of things have, have changed and happened and, you know, so we have to have a 10 year vision, you know, over the next 10 years, what would I attempt? What great things would I attempt? to do if I had 10 million bucks because that gets rid of all the limitations. It get gets rid of all the hangups. And yes, there'll be frivolous things and that's fine, but there will be meaningful things. And then you've got to hold that frame. We've got to hold that vision. You've got to hold, this is my direction. This is the direction of my life. And people will be like, oh, but Scott, you don't, you know, you don't have the money for that or you don't have the aptitude for that. Or it's like, no, but I'm holding it. I'm holding frame. I'm holding vision and I'm moving towards it. I'm moving towards a goal in my life, something in my life. And chaps, that makes everything in your life fall into your frame. You know, it gives your wife direction. It gives your wife clarity and, con you know, you're a confident guy heading somewhere. It gives your children confidence and clarity and direction. It gives your church confidence and clarity and direction. It gives your, your work and your, your projects confidence and clarity and direction because this is where I'm going. This is where I'm heading. So many of us, we just sit in, you know, we, we don't literally sit in a cubicle, but the, the meme is true. We sit in a cubicle, you know, waiting on someone else to come and change our life, waiting on someone else to come and do a vision for us, waiting on someone else to pluck us out of obscurity. Where God is saying, you know, what is your faith? Start acting. Faith without works is cubicle. Tudamanga, he is a king, crushing in his domain for sure, and willing to steer away from Silicon Valley and put his energy into the local. But being a businessman, still thinking bigger picture and wants to offer it to everyone. Yep, really good. Viceroy, welcome. Making babies is the most fun format for godly obedience. True story. Thank you. Testimony hour is open. Praise God. <laughs> Archangelus, welcome, brother. All right, so the next thing, holding a frame, right? Holding a frame. So many of us fold to upset women, to upset journalists, to upset institutions, to upset people, to demanding people. We fold to demanding people because we don't have our own frame. We don't have our own vision. The moment you get a vision, the moment you're a man on a mission, someone comes along with a demand and you're like, now you can negotiate. Is this demand going to serve my mission? Is this demand adjacent to where I'm going? If it is, all right. You help me, I help you. Reciprocity. We're all on board. If it does not, no thank you. You know, it's that classic thing of getting good of saying no thank you to people. You know, if you go to to a checkout and they're like, would you like to donate 10% to the children who are orphans but have no legs and are actually genderqueer, black, Latino, wheelchair babies? You know, uh, would you like to give, you know, whatever the, the sob story is, and just say no thank you. Like sit in the, sit in the frame of like, no thank you. You know, and it's like, because we, we are so, we have so, we are so visionless. We are so without our own frame that anyone who makes a demand gets our resources. Anyone who makes a demand gets our energy, our time. Whereas it's like, no, like that, that certainly is a sob story. No, thank you. I, I've got my own 
thing I'm giving my money to. I've got my own charitable things that I'm giving to. And so I don't, you know, this could be a front organization for Jorge Soros. He loves to use genderqueer, black, limbless baby orphans as a front organization. No, thank you. <laughs> but we have to get good at negotiating with people who make, you know, you go to churches. And if the church is adjacent with where you're going, then by all means, help them out and, you know, help their demands, meet their demands. But if they're demanding things on you that are like not adjacent to your mission or to your values or to where you're going, no, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. No, thank you. This is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was literally building a frame. He was literally holding a frame around Jerusalem. People would say to him, come down from there and have dinner with us. No, thank you. Why are you doing this? You're a fool. No, thank you. You're stupid. We're going to kill you. No, thank you. You've got to hold your frame. So, so many of us, a lot of things change in our life when we have a vision, when we're not waiting on someone else's vision, waiting on, you know, oh, all these demands, all these upset people. And it's like, no, no, thank you. This is where I'm going. So it's really important. The next thing with that is then momentum, right? Stepping out. A man makes a plan, makes a vision in his heart. The Lord directs his steps. We've got to step out so that the Lord can start directing us. We've got to have faith. We've got to step out of the boat. We've got to go hard. So we can ask ourselves, okay, that's my big 10-year vision. You know, you've written stuff down and, and you keep writing stuff down. You keep you keep adjusting that. It's a, it's a good thing to, to constantly be refining. And you take things from there and you put them into a calendar. You know, over the next six weeks, four weeks, two weeks, whatever your calendar, your immediate tactical, that's your strategy. This is your tactical calendar. What are we doing towards this vision? What are, what are steps? So, you know, uh, get out of debt, right? That's a vision. Get, I'd, I'd get out of debt, okay? Get out of debt goes on the strategy board, on the 10-year vision board, on the holding frame board. You know, so now people make demands. Oh, come blow your credit card with us at the boat shop. No, thank you. I've got a vision. But now, over the next six weeks, what what steps, what three steps from this thing am I doing over the next six weeks to get towards that vision? It's like, okay, well, this this next you know, six weeks, we're not going to restaurants. We're not going to the boat shop. Those are negative actions are actions. You know, what are positive actions? Uh, we're going to sell the boat. We're going to, you know, okay, now you're being a man of power. Now you're being a man of action and the Lord will direct your steps. You'll get more momentum. And it's important to constantly, you know, now have family meetings with your wife, family meetings with your children, family meetings with or, or, or local meetings and tribal meetings with the people who are involved in your projects of like, here's our vision. Here's what we're doing tactically over the next short period of time for momentum. And then there's feedback, there's updating of this board, there's updating of this board. And now you're a man on a mission. Now you're, you're a man of frame and you're going hard. Praise God. All right, another thing, aesthetics. This is very culturally important. No junk of your own property. So anything you own, make sure it's clean or beautiful or neat. You know, it doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal in quality. You know, we can have cheap cheap quality stuff if that's where you're at. Make sure it's clean. Make sure it's neat. You know, this is the 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 biggest way to get yourself out of the doom loop. The cultural doom loop is cleanliness is next to godliness. With that, so that's a why, you know, a how is like literally take stuff, you know, go to the recycling center, go to the donation center regularly and get rid of clutter, get rid of junk. Uh, another thing is how we dress, you know. Again, you don't have to have Gucci, Armani, everything, you know, but look neat. Look how, you know, do I, am I... um Am I being respectful to the people around me by what I am dressed as? You know, so for instance, like, you know, at first I was like, should I wear suits on this stream? And it's like, no, like be appropriate, be appropriate to the occasion as well. It's okay. Of course, it's okay to wear shorts and, and sandals and uh, a vest or whatever. It's like, of course, that's appropriate, you know, when, when those clothes are appropriate. But even there, like you want to feel good in them. You want to feel clean and neat. And, you know, we want to dress well. You know, so for instance, even my wife and I, you know, we've, we've gotten to the place where it's like, okay, we want to start replacing everything in our wardrobe uh, with cotton or linen. Um, 
And so you start you start caring about, and it's not to the place of idolatry and what's the word I'm looking for, like pride of like, oh, he cares about his appearances. It's like, no, it, it gives respect. It gives respect to people. So, and that's what I love about uh, about the Amish is, you know, they literally, they're plain clothes. They look good. They have respect for themselves, you know. Uh, who's my Spanish guy? Franco. Franco mandated a suit and a suit and tie, a jacket and tie mandate. If you went out in public in Spain, you were to wear a jacket and tie. And it's like, oh, that's draconian. Oh, that's draconian. How could that is that is terrible? <laughs> it's like, no, the normies follow the mandates, and all of a sudden societies are all a little bit more civilized. There aren't people in pajamas at Walmart cruising the aisles obese you know as it were anyway so you know it's just things like this i think i think there's many little things that we can uh figure out for ourselves of both the why and the how of actual tick the box cultural independence from this from the system of cultural sovereignty there are things you know because here's the other thing when you if you dress well and you're you are uh you care for your property, you are setting yourself apart from the the culture. You're becoming peculiar to the culture. If you are healthy, you are setting yourself apart. You're being peculiar from the culture. You know, so it's all very uh, it's all very fascinating. The the things we could you know really put up on a list of of actual tick the box steps. John, at that point, will there be WalMarts? My my fine sir, may God crush. The teeth of Walmart. In our lives, there won't be Walmart. I'll tell you that. In our tribe, there won't be Walmart. Praise God. And again, I understand. You know, I understand our system. Our system is at such a place where sometimes the only thing, the only place you can get something is Amazon. The only thing you can, the only place you can get something is Walmart, is Kroger, is Lowe's, you know, is all these big, corporatist institutions that's understandable and so we want to get to that 80 20 like 80 percent of the time i avoid these places i avoid these places i go without i find it somewhere else and then yes 20 percent of things there's things i absolutely need fine i will resort to going to that and we want to we want to chip that away you know eventually get into the place of like 99 one you know and this is where there are great opportunities, uh, like our friend Tudamungo was talking about. There are great opportunities for us to make tribal institutions, to make our own tribal uh, co-ops and uh, businesses that serve us uh, for the things that, oh, we really need this. The only place to get that is Walmart. Well, how can we get this through our tribe? So praise God. <laughs> Jared Sparks, welcome, brother. Space is indeed gay. Praise God for it. So, gentlemen, I think uh, I think that's about everything I, I had for us today. What I what I think I'm going to do is figure out for us a a way to um, have all of your guys' inputs because your guys' testimonies and wisdom is going to be, uh, you know, corporately our we're going to have a, a great bank of gold of glory um, for a lot of guys to be like, okay, this guy did this, this guy did that. They tick this box. It looks great. The fruit is good. How did you do that? So I think I think, you know, I might do something on on my blog or whatever where we can kind of get a, a comment thread going beneath beneath it as well and and just keep adding to this thing. Um, you can also email me. My email is in the uh, details below this video. I do believe, but Japs, I, I really do think that you know of like what are things that we are becoming culturally de uh, independent of the system? How are we building our own cultural independence from clown world? How are we getting out? You know, because it takes action. It takes practical and often over a long time frame, a long time preference. You know, a lot of these things we're talking generationally. And this is where it, it has, you know, 10 years is often not a long enough time frame. You know, what would you do with $10 million over the next three generations? This is actually something I, I did have written down. Here's one for us. Buy life insurance and have a multi-generational vindictive 
will. You know, so number one, I'm sure all of you chaps are wise enough to have gotten life insurance already. But life insurance is a wonderful thing. You know, it's basically you're setting up an immediate estate for your family uh, in the event of your death or disable, uh, disability where, you know, your wife doesn't have to go back to work. She doesn't have to immediately remarry. Uh, you are setting up uh, an estate to, to care for your family. Number two, a multi-generational vindictive will. So many, uh, so many of these like great families, these aristocratic families have blood feuds, you know, of like we will destroy this other aristocratic family through the generations. Let me tell you, I will teach my child to hate them and to destroy them. We can do the same with Walmart, with Kroger, with the public school system, with academia, with media, with the public, with the church popular of like, I will teach my children to destroy the works of the devil in these specific domains and institutions. And then we leave them, you know, we leave them resources and we train them and we give them direction through a will. You know, you don't want the will to be the only sense of direction. You want to be discipling them your whole life. But we should have a, you know, so our 10-year frame, our 10-year vision, 10-year, $10 million vision, we kind of want that to be a three-generation $10 million vision. You know, and that's where things get really fun of dreaming with with your wife, dreaming with your kids, uh, dreaming with your friends of like, man, what are the things we would do to absolutely colonize our local area for the Lord, for Christ and country, as it were. Viceroy, Bill Bonner's Family Fortunes book is fantastic about multi-generational wealth. Thank you. It's a really good, uh, again, really good recommendations from all you gentlemen who are absolutely crushing in a lot of these areas. Praise God. So praise God, gentlemen. I think that was a, a lovely little stream. I appreciate the four o'clock crowd. Oh, yes, the four o'clock crowd are just uh, coming in strong over here. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I think uh, I think tomorrow and Friday uh, will be later streams. I will uh, figure this out on Twitter, but um, there'll be later streams. And otherwise, gentlemen, may you uh, have an absolutely uh, wonderful day further. Uh, really just sit on these things of like, what are, because I'm telling you right now, all of you guys have boxes that you have ticked. You know, actual discipleship, actual actions, actual cultural crushing that you have fruit of in your life. Um, so it would be really good to share our victories with each other. You know, share, share the tricks. You know, share, uh, share the the tips and the tricks. And and if you've got a game plan that works, man, like we need to be sharing things with each other uh, to to really uh, move the momentum of our tribal ascendancy of our tribal independence. Love you boys. May God bless you all. And we'll see you tomorrow.